Ladies, when's the last time you treated yourself? Treat yourself. I treated myself to Blow Bainbridge. What is Blow Bainbridge, you may ask? We finally have an awesome blow dry bar here on the island. And they do so much more than just blow drying your hair. They style, they braid, they do extensions, makeup, and so much more. I love it. I got taken care of and had the whole pink carpet treatment by Rachel and her team. And it was awesome. You can check out their pricing at blowmedry.com slash blow b-l-o dash bainbridge.com so please go check out their pricing check out their schedule um, Monday through Friday 9 to 6 Saturday 9 to 7 Sunday 11 to 5 they have memberships that include discounts you get a free blowout on your birthday I mean there's so much that they offered us here on the island and I love them so much and I love leaving blow and feeling absolutely beautiful thank you Rachel and your whole team and go check them out Hey, do you want to know what's trending right now? Right now, vinyl, as in vinyl records are trending right now. And I have an awesome announcement. Big Dog Records, the pop-up shop, is open right now on Bainbridge Island at the Cove, right downtown on Winslow Way. So if you are looking for the perfect gift for your loved one this holiday season, buy them something vinyl. We've got vintage, new stuff, old stuff, and we have vintage t-shirts as well. Such a cool shop. And there's also pinball. And if you come on any given day, you might see an Obi sighting right in the window. Obi as in my big dog. So go to Big Dog Records. And if you can't come into the shop, don't worry. You can order records online. Just go to B-I-G-D-A-W-G records.com. BigDogRecords.com. Hope to see you at the shop. Hey everyone, what are you guys doing on December 18th? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're coming to Bainbridge Island to see the gift of giving with me, Stephanie Reese and friends. So many amazing guest artists are in this incredible show that I do every year. The gift of giving in cooperation with Feed to Succeed is a program that feeds children during the holiday season and beyond and creates scholarships for kids in the Philippines. What an amazing way to share the holidays with people from across the world that need our help. So please come to the gift of giving. Listen to the amazing music with my friends. We have John Florencio all the way in from Paris, Jordan Petrie, who is our musical director, and Matt Gervais, who is an incredible singer with a head in the heart, among many others. So please, if you want to have all the good holiday feels and know you're doing something really amazing um, for a good cause, come to the gift of giving. Actually, the show is free. It's just suggested a donation, but we're trying to spread the word to help other people all around this great, big, beautiful world that we have during this holiday season. So come to the gift of giving. It's at Grace Episcopal Church on Bainbridge Island, 6.30 p.m. December 18th. For more information, you can go to feedtosucceedfund.com. That's F-E-E-D 
D, the number two, succeedfund.com. If you can't come to the show, you can still make donations at that website. Hope to see you there. Hi, Citizen Sister listeners. How are you all? Oh my goodness, I'm doing amazing. I'm in Los Angeles right now. It is sunny and beautiful, and I just got... Uh, news that it is snowing back on Bainbridge Island. I just got back from Germany. I had um, two nights on the island and then I came out here to LA to do another show and um, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Some updates for those of you who follow me. Um, my luggage was lost on the way to Germany. Uh, I had the, I got there in the evening. The next day, I went to um, rehearse for the show. I had to run and find a gown at the nearby mall, ran back to the venue, ran back to the mall. I mean, it was back and forth and back and forth. And then I only had 45 minutes before I had to be on stage, found all these last minute things. And just a word to the wise here um, and some advice. I felt someone was following me when I was at the mall and I was in a hurry and I had my cell phone in my pocket and I felt too nervous to turn around and stare at these people because I looked at them once and they kind of looked at me like I was like, shouldn't have been looking at them. Like I was, I don't know. It was just a bad vibe. I don't want to get into it but I was pickpocketed and I know exactly who they were and it just sucked so bad. So by the time I got back to my hotel to, which is also where the venue was for the performance, um, I was pretty frantic. Um, and we were sleuthing me and my husband at a long distance. He was like, we have phone finders. So he could see that these people were like driving away with my phone from the mall. It was like a whole thing. Um, but it was kind of cool. Like I just last minute put all my stuff on and my, and I jumped on the stage and the show must go on. And I was still going back and forth. It was crazy. But, um, you know, even with that, I had the most incredible time in Germany and I want to do a whole episode about that final UNICEF show it was just, uh, heartfelt. I want to shout out to my UNICEF family and the Fab Five who did the gospel show that we did together. We toured around in between the big UNICEF gala and and concerts and um, it was just so much fun. And I'm going to share clips of that on both my YouTube channel and on my Citizen Sister um, Instagram page soon. It's just been a crazy holiday season. So much going on. As many of you know, there's a December 18th show coming up on the island, my gift of giving annual concert for the Philippines and to help feed kids in the Philippines this holiday season and beyond. I'm so excited to do it um, on the island again. We haven't done it on the island for a couple of years. And and um, happy to announce that Matt Gervais from The Head and the Heart is going to be singing with me. John Florencio, um, my international pianist, is playing as and the show, flying all the way here from Paris. Um, 
and Jordan Petrie is musical directing. I've got some of my students in the show, um, some surprise guests. It's just going to be incredible. So I hope you guys can all come. And even if you can't, you can go to F-E-E-D, the number two, S-U-C-C-E-E-D, um, that's feed to succeed and then fund F U N D.com. And you can make a donation there. So I hope to see you all there. That's very exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm in LA right now and it's pretty awesome to be here. Awesome to be singing here. And, um, and just, Again, they lost my luggage on the way back from Germany. So I had to, again, buy a last minute gown. But oh my God, I love the gown I got. I have fallen in love with this brand called um, uh, For Love and Lemons because everything fits me. So um, without having to alter it because I am vertically challenged. As many of you know, I'm very short. So I usually have to have things hemmed up. I don't have to for this. So that was kind of cool. Okay, so this episode that I am releasing today that you're about to listen to is with the extraordinary Bo Ross. Bo Ross is a new-ish friend that I um, have on the island. He, I met him because he became one of my students over the summer and he's just one of these extraordinary people. Um, He like he was in marketing and still is, um, took a hiatus from the workforce and work life. And, um, and if there's one thing I love and the one thing that even got me to be doing a podcast in the first place is that when I meet people and they give good conversation, it's like all I, and especially now, all I can think about is, oh my God, the podcast. But, um, but even before I ever had this podcast, I just like, just live for conversations that make me feel energized and connected. And especially when they don't do what I do for a living, like they're not um, a musician or an artist in that way, but I still feel that connection. It just shows me kind of how we're all universally um, connected no matter what we do in life. And yes, Bo came to me for voice lessons and he does have an awesome voice and, um, And, you know, and he's just a cool dude. And it was like, the more we talked during voice lessons, the more I was like, I just need you to be on the podcast because this kind of conversation is just something that I know listeners would find interesting. I mean, because the one cool thing with Bo is like, we can be talking about music and then music leads to us talking about food and food leads us to talking about a show and a show leads us to talking about travel. And, um, and he will just, he, is like an expert at the art of conversation. Um, and I just love that. And it's been very, um, it's always just so nice to make a new friend on the island that you feel that kind of instant connection with. And, um, and I love that. And he's helped me make all kinds of new friends, including, um, somebody who's coming onto the, uh, the next episode that we're releasing shortly after this episode, um, the Todd McCullough episode. So Todd McCullough, retired NBA player slash pinball King. So we'll get into that. Um, but, uh, but this episode is awesome and I hope you like it. I'd love your feedback. Um, can drop us a line. And I also interviewed Bo because I wanted him as a future podcast co-host, which he does with me um, for the Todd McCullough episode. So I hope you enjoy very much um, this 
extraordinary episode with the extraordinary Bo Ross. And I hope you enjoy the follow-up episode with Mr. Todd McCullough, which I will have a proper introduction for. And in the meantime, mark your calendars for December 18th, 6.30 p.m. at Grace Episcopal Church for the gift of giving where you will see me and John and Jordan and um, Matt Gervais and um, all these other artists. It's going to be so fun. And also come to Big Dog Records. It's our pop-up shop, so it won't be there forever. But if you love vinyl, you will love Big Dog Records. And there are pinball machines there too. And of course, Obi, my big, beautiful dog, and incidentally, kids and adults who love dogs. Um, Obi will be making an appearance as Obi Claus with his sand hat. And so if you want to take pictures with Obi and his sand hat, come to Big Dog Records. Okay, I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you enjoy your holiday season so far. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Stephanie Reese. I'm a singer and an actress, and my career has taken me all over the world. And in my global travels, I discovered I loved a lot more than just being on stage and performing. I loved having conversations with people from all walks of life, different cultures, beliefs, different talents and backgrounds. And every time I found what was extraordinary in each and every person I took the time to speak with. From rock star celebrities, Broadway stars, soul singers, politicians, and everyday people like you and me, I'm bringing that to you here on Citizen Sister, where we have the conversations that help us all see how we are connected in the extraordinary and ordinary things in our lives and how that makes us all citizens of the world. This is Citizen Sister. Hello, Citizen Sister listeners. Thank you for tuning in once again to Citizen Sister, the podcast. I'm Stephanie Reese, your host. Ah, we're back in the studio. I love being back in the studio. I am here with Mr. Dennis O'Rourke once again. Hello, it's good to be back. Yes, it is. And it's sunny out here, but very, very cold. It's don't really you? cold. <laughs> it's so cold. I feel so bad because I made Dennis wait at the boat and I was like, oh, wait, it's really cold. Um, anyway, we are back in the studio and um, and so many great things to talk about. Uh, I promised to do a deep dive on my Guns N' Roses uh, recent experience with Melissa. I will definitely be doing that. But more importantly, here in the studio today, I have with me somebody that is going to do some co-hosting. But before we do any co-hosting, I wanted you to get to know the extraordinary Mr. Bo Ross. Hello, hello. Great to be on the show. Yay! Oh, that was nice. Nice little rhyme. Um, <laughs> Bo was a marketing director, vice president of a tech startup company. He is a dad of three beautiful children, um, husband, uh, son, and um, and <laughs> lots also of titles. lots of titles, and also a singer. Ah, uh, I dropped the mic moment. <laughs> That's correct. That's how we know each other because actually I um, was gifted the task of being um, Bo's voice teacher and that's how we we met. However, 
all of our voice lessons end up being these awesome conversations <laughs> and a little bit of singing. And he's a fantastic singer and I, and I feel bad, but I was like, you know what this needs, this needs a microphone and a podcast studio. So that's why we are here today. We're going to talk all things Bo Ross. So welcome to the show, Bo. Oh, see, I rhymed too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's easy when your name's Bo. A lot, of, a lot rhymes with it. It does, yeah. yes. So have you ever done a podcast before? Uh, I've done a few podcasts, but they are now buried deep, deep, deep. Um, so I can't find them? never find them. No, you can find them. Most of the podcasts were to support tech startups that I was working at that were usually the type of fair that marketing folk are used to creating, which is, you know, promoting yeah. their brand and, um, it's fun stuff though. Fun well, to talk. Let's talk about marketing though. Cause I, I do find it fascinating. It's like, it, it kind of is adjacent to my world in a certain kind of a way. I mean, it, I always feel like marketing campaigns have a performance element to them, you know, and, um, obviously a lot of actors and artists are involved with, marketing. Um, what do you, I mean, what brought you into that world in, in the beginning? Oh man. Um, I think I'm still figuring out what I want to be when I grow up, but initially <laughs> marketing kind of popped up because it was, it was one of the classes that, or one of the, uh, courses that you could go through it at the university that I went to that had the lowest amount of math. <laughs> I just was staying away from math. And, that was me too. And a lot of the marketing courses that I, as I looked ahead, um, you know, they were, seemed pretty practical and uh, applicable to what I wanted to do. So I, I kind of gravitated towards that. And I think that my DNA, if you go, if you zoom back to kind of how I'm built as a human, I think um, I, I registered pretty high on, on empathy. And I think that at the end of the day, as a marketer, you have to, be able to empathize with your customer or whoever you're trying to talk to. And I think that, um, yeah, just being able to understand in the moment how things are going and yeah. what's keeping up at the night, like that's kind of fun and really easy for me to kind of tune into that frequency when I'm either around people or uh, learning about people. That's actually the first time I have ever heard anyone use the word empathize, like in terms of marketing, like, but that's so true empathy. And actually I have to say that when we had the conversation the other day, I started laughing on my run because I remembered like, what was that thing that we were when we were natural helpers <laughs> <laughs> for people who grew I don't know if that was just a Northwest thing, but um, Dennis, you're too young, but like, I don't think they had a, or, but you grew up in Turkey as well. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. They, I have no idea what you're, what they, you're they, talking about. They entitled, they gave us like certain kids at school were given this, I don't know, like title of natural helper. Yeah. And then it meant that other kids could go to us and talk if they needed to. So they gave us some training about it and yeah. it's kind of nice to be chosen, I guess. I don't yeah. Know right. That was, <laughs> but I forgot the name and, and you were like natural helper. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I remember that. I, I was involved in so many clubs and so many, um, every club I could be involved in, I was involved in natural helpers. <laughs> I don't remember what the selection process was, I don't but when, as you explained it, you kind of made it sound like, eh, you know, it wasn't that impressive, but going through it myself, 
you know. I thought it was a big deal. Oh, I did. No, and I did too. I did too. I'm just giggling about I, it because I'm like, oh my God. Oh yeah. It was in <laughs> hindsight. It's funny. It that, is funny, but it was a big deal kind of because it meant your peers. I think you were voted, right? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Secret uh, ballots. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like you could say that same story and you could almost make it uh, a, a superhero origin story for for you and I, potentially. Right. In terms of those, I, I don't remember the training. I, you know what? I do remember some of the training. I, I remember I, uh, the concept of, of them teaching us how to give and receive I messages. Oh, do you remember I that messages? Does feel familiar? Feel is the is a the second word, and so I the the I message uh, concept was to start any conversation with I feel mm-hmm. like in in a confrontation, mm. and so anytime there's a confrontation, it usually becomes you did this, you did that, yeah. But that's the one thing I still can attribute back to. The, the natural helper training, yeah. the, the, the superhero empathy training that we received was this communication protocol, That's essentially. right. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I mean, yeah, that actually, I do remember also a big thing about listening, too. That was like a whole thing about uh, allowing people the space to to listen to people all the way through and not, um, assume, or I can't remember all of the training from natural helpers, but I do remember there was a big it's listening come back. thing. It'll come back. But I, it, and those things are really interesting because, um, actually, yeah, you and I, Dennis, were talking in the car about grief and experiences in life. And it's interesting how the things that we go through in life, like natural helpers or being empathetic, and then, somehow you end up in marketing, but it's still informed a job that maybe some people are like, oh, marketing's still a corporate job because you're working. But in reality, it's still about people, you know, Um, and connecting to people. And I think, uh, was there ever something that you had to market that you didn't believe in? Oh, wow. Great question. Yeah. Um, A lot of stuff. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you... Um, just, just as a very broad stroke career overview, I've spent 20 years in marketing and advertising and tech about half of that. I've spent in the gaming space making and marketing video games. Um, so cool. And then the other half of that on the kind of software industry, um, SaaS industry. And so, um, yeah, the, you can imagine it's really for somebody with my my um, programming and my brain kind of set up, I loved working in ga- at the game, on the gaming side of things. It was so much fun working on the creative studio side of the world. Um, and so I, I believed in those products. Yeah. You know, I bled. If you had cut me when I worked at those companies, I was all in. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, you, at some point you have kids and you want to see your family and, you have to kind of step back a little bit from the grind mm-hmm. and software as a, as a industry, as a, you know, SaaS as a industry um, has been kind of that spot where I've been hanging out and it's the um, you know, same kind of concepts though. But yeah, you get into some really dry and boring stuff that's just boring. It's yeah. just like, you, you know, yeah. like marketing a data platform. 
Oh God! Snooze fest, right? Yeah. But that's that's also part of the challenge. Is like, how do you make this sexy? Yeah. How do you make this cool? Totally. And and there's ways to do it, but you know, it's sometimes that's uh, it's also part of my own personal journey and like career work life balance and all that fun stuff, right? So. Yeah, totally. I mean, but there was never a product that you were like morally I can't get behind this or it, we it, want the juicy stuff. <laughs> we want the juicy stuff. <laughs> yeah. not, I mean maybe not. I but. remember like so okay, going back to like early programming, I grew up in a very um uh religious family and I remember my first job out of college, I had to work at an ad agency and that ad agency was a very progressive and liberal agency that did a yeah. lot of and I remember that being a contentious point, not because I believed strongly, um, you know, against it or before it or, you know, whatever, but it was just like, I remember being a contentious point where it's like, oh, this is now part of, you know, I'm, I'm now doing this for work and I'm getting paid for it. And it kind of conflicts with some of my early programming Oh in terms of like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever that programming might be. And it's different depending on, you know, where you grew up and what religion you subscribe to. So yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, so did you work in Seattle? Was it in Seattle? That yeah. You, back wow. At DD, um, I worked at DDB Seattle, um, which was one of the early and largest agencies that existed. If you watch Mad Men, it's featured prominently as yeah. one of those old school agencies. And it was just that. It was old school, you know, Pouring scotch in the office, and I mean there was there was some of that, but not, not that's. I mean it's accurate. It's accurate enough that I don't enjoy watching it. Whoa! I don't enjoy watching Mad. But it, you should test this out as you proceed forward in life. Yeah. When you meet somebody that works in advertising, ask them if they enjoy watching Mad Men. Yes or no? Oh, I will. I would wager that most people that work in advertising probably don't enjoy it. That is so fat. I loved that show. Yeah. I loved, loved, loved that show. And I, but uh, I did find it, I mean, it, it was a fascinating show too, just in terms of going, oh my gosh, these campaigns and what they were marketing to and the misogynistic culture that's happening in the office. And, um, and are, were, when you were in uh, the corporate setting of advertising, were there that few females? I mean, like, like it was on Mad Men? You know, it, it wasn't, um, it, w- it was pretty balanced by the time. Oh, I, but I, I started, my first job out of college was 2004, 2005 mm-hmm. era. Um, but there still is some of that. Like if you go through traditional marketing uh, if you look back at some of like Ogilvy's early advertising, they knew that sex sold and yeah. they put that, they put, you know, sex on everything. And yeah. it was just like, that's how you sell products. That's how you, you know, you look at some of the early advertising and it was also really sexist. Like a lot yeah. of the stuff is just like, there's memes and, and a bunch of stuff that kind of highlight the absurdity of it. But God, that wasn't too long ago. No, <laughs> that it was really wasn't. Like 40, 50 years ago in some situations. And Ooh. that's like our, that's in our parents, you know, cohort, uh, that age yeah. range. So, yeah. Actually, that is kind of, I mean, I, what I'm personally curious about is now that there's all this technology and things are moving so fast, I'm sure your industry has like turned itself upside down like a few times over. Um, 
when like the internet and phones and access and it moves so fast that like, you know, when there was just a magazine and paper it ju- or a billboard where your ma- or a commercial where your main avenues now there's not really I mean there are commercials but it's such a different avenue like how how do companies keep up with yeah. things moving that fast or do they yeah it's I mean there's something called the innovators dilemma right and it's like you know what you need to do but you can't do it within the confines of the structure that you're in and a lot yeah. of these companies to stay in business they need to put themselves out of business to do it, right? Like Netflix oh, used to ship right. DVDs and then somebody in a board meeting, some dev team probably in a hackathon, probably pieced together a streaming prototype of some kind and said, hey, look, we can stream videos right. over the internet. I don't know that story 100%, yeah. but that's how this stuff kind of comes to, you know, within software and then, gosh, that starts growing. And then, guess what? Their DVD business. Yeah. I think it recently shut down, or, or one of the, you know, it's they put themselves out of business and they succeeded in, in, because of it. That is just so. I mean, yeah, it's it's really it's changed so much, and I can relate to that in terms of just even being a, a singer, or and how music has changed, and how people have access to stuff so fast, and how. Every show I used to sell CDs at the end of shows, right. and now I'm like, God, this is so weird. I mean, the last one I did, they they still bought the C- I still have some. People still bought it because they just want to buy something at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God, because it's a nice little. But it was always an extra way to make income at the end of a show was having product. And now it's like, wait, I don't do that anymore. It's like the one song here and the one song there. And you are lucky if people down, even take time to download yeah. new music. They just want to watch the thing or listen to it once and then it's kind of over. And it's it's a weird time period for yeah. Um, art and for, yeah, and for advertising and for everything and social oh, socializing. and Yeah, I mean, the most recent startup I was at was in... Um, computer vision and, and AI, and you know, it, it's a scary world that we're we're headed in towards. And being a content creator of any kind, or a creative person of oh, any kind, right? Uh, uh, you know, you you talk about your experience as a as a singer and a performer. You know, on stage, you're giving a a temporal performance yeah. for a, a limited crowd. Yeah. And because of that, it was special. Yeah. It was finite. It was only then uh, and gone. 20,000 yeah. people fit in this, you know, stadium or whatever it was. And, you know, now we live in a world where you stream it in real time. Mm-hmm. Anybody can get it. Mm-hmm. And nobody's happy with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, totally. And everyone's pissed off that it wasn't streamed in the right quality, right? Like we we have all this access now. And we're all still kind of like, I feel like angry and we're missing out. I, I think as a culture, we're missing out on some of these like real authentic moments that totally. happen when you're, and as a cont, as a creator, who's like, whether you're writing music or, you know, creating digital art or, or writing books, like the amount of content that we are about to, like we, we have now evolved essentially a mechanism to create vast amounts of, of, 
of content, you know, mm-hmm. with, with generative AI, images, yes. video. Like, and, and so now we haven't evolved, though, the filter in our eyes or our ears or our brains to handle and process it all. Yeah. And I think, like, we got to experience that a little bit with Twitter and, and, yeah. and Facebook where you're like, oh, my God, we're not used to seeing Melinda's inner thoughts at 4 a.m. <laughs> and yet we're like addicted to checking out yeah. her inner thoughts at 4 a.m. Yeah. Or like your old high school buddy that you're like, they sat behind me in math class and like you're looking them up just because you can, yeah. you know, and that it is, it's a strange, it is a really strange, um, strange thing to have access like that. And oh, and also with, this is so interesting. I mean, it's a little, it's sort of on topic, but the, we were, you know, I did that 10 minute play festival here right. and, um, I was like, Hey, we should write a 10 minute play to my husband. And we're like, yeah. And he, he typed in to chat or whatever GPT, that, yeah. yeah. And, um, I was like, I don't even know what it is. And he's like, all he did is he put in, write me a 10 minute play about, you know, a kid, whose neighbors with a cranky neighbor, uh, older neighbor and they visit each other. And then at the end there's like, there's some humor, but there's a heartfelt touching ending with a lesson learned and instantly. And I mean, instantly it was there a 10 minute play. And I thought I I'll be able to hear and read the computer in it. There's just no way Mm -hmm. I could not (laughs) sense computerness in it. It was it was good. I mean, I hate yeah. to say it, but it was really, I was like, there were nuances in, in each character. Uh, there was the sound of each character was, was different than the, than, you know, they were individual. It felt, I mean, I couldn't even, I was like, well, I'll just work at McDonald's tomorrow then, because <laughs> what am I even doing? Like I just, it was yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Um, and then I just think, are we all going to be obsolete? And so I find myself attaching to really and leaning into my love of both watching and doing live performance because it's the only thing that I feel is actually present, yeah. just really, really, really present. It's not something that I can, I mean, even with a podcast, I will go and listen back and then want to redo something and then want to, but when things are not recorded and they're just experienced, there's just something in that, that makes you have to be present for it. And, um, and I can't tear it apart and I can't look at the video and go, Oh, I hate it. Or, you know, edit things or, um, auto tune something. It's just gone. Yeah. You know, and that's a beautiful thing. I think yeah. it's one of the few live. There was an, a, an equitable exchange of energy when you yes. were on stage and, yeah. and you perform and then you feel the energy pointed back at you when they applause or yeah. gasp or they interact. It's, it's a yes. equitable exchange with a screen. You're really limited to. And I've done a lot of like VR gaming as well. So like I've even, we've tried like doing these virtual presence things and you know, they just, they're missing that human, the the human connection, but it's getting close though. Like it's getting, it's going to be really cool future. We're in a scary spot now where 
it's scary. It's it's taking jobs. It's eliminating, um, you know, some the jobs. The need for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, ultimately it's, it's you know, we had these same conversations when everything went digital. It That's was like, true. Oh, it's going to cannibalize our old business, you know? And, like, yeah, it, the old way was kind of broken. Yeah. Like, there's a better way to do it. And this week, I think you have to just lean in to yeah. this change. And the cool thing is for people that have an engine mm-hmm. like you that want to, like, that have an idea for something, whether it's a business or a, a, a play or whatever, you suddenly have the tools That's on true. your phone to create everything. Like you can create the artwork, you can write the script, you can publish the website, you can do it all from your, like within a, you know, by lunch. Yeah. That's so <laughs> and then you're, true. And, and that's just the world we live in. And, and it's almost like a great equalizer. Like before, like you, your unique Stephanie Reese, your unique feature coming out of college from UW, what was it? What uh, was your thing? Coming out of college? Yeah. Uh, well, I went to, what do you mean? Like, like where, where did you, like, what was your identity when you were coming out of When I was coming out of conservatory. Seattle, yeah, or coming out of conservatory. It, my identity was I'm a singer and an actress. Right. That was my identity, yeah. And then, and then now, how, as that has evolved, like, has... I don't know. How has that kind of changed for you now as you're kind of like... It's changed a lot. I mean, I, it's interesting. I I didn't realize... I, I felt... I mean, I was so young then, but like, it's like these defining things that you... I am. In fact, um, yeah, it's just very interesting to identify with a thing that you do so deeply. Right. That... Um, but what I didn't, I guess, realize was that I was more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I will always see the world through the eye, like as somebody who is an artist, but I think I didn't realize that I could be defined by more things, you know, um, being, you know, even back then that I was also a daughter and a sister, right. uh, that I was also somebody who loved to travel, or I was also somebody who had interests that could have developed into other things. But I was so like tunnel visioned at that age that I didn't realize that like, even, I mean, now, you know, when I take on projects like, like doing this podcast, for example, um, I was like, yeah, that's so funny. I wouldn't be like, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> like the way I had identified so hardcore with being a singer or, right. and in fact, what the other day, um, I have this joke with my husband where I'm like, oh, it's, it's for you. Coates design of, or, you know, Matthew Coates of Coates design architects. Like I always like say that cause everything says Coates design architects. And he's like, oh, well, thank you, Stephanie Reese wife. And I was like, <gasps> It really pissed me off. I was like, he just reduced me to just wife. Like what, what is happening? And I didn't actually, I haven't even told him that that angered me Mm. in that moment. Cause I, I needed to sit with that myself and go, why did that irritate me? I, when there were a few reasons, one, I was like, does he not see that I am all these other things that I'm really, you know, but also, just how titles, I mean, in the more general sense, like what these titles and, and these identities um, do to us, you know, and what what they mean. Yeah. And 
that is something that um, is really kind of, I mean, how is it for you? Like, cause you're a dad now and you're not now, I mean, you've been a dad for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, lots of role. I mean, some titles you, you seek. Yeah. Right. Like I want to be a doctor. I want to, I want to go yeah. after something. Uh, some titles you, you earn or you're given. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, you're, um, I'm I'm a dad right now, and it's it's rad. Like, <laughs> so I have cool. a six, eight, and eleven year old, and they're tons of fun, and I got to spend a sweet summer with them. And so I think that like everyone, Stephanie, just like you went through being like just being a singer, you went pretty deep as a singer, right? Yeah, yeah. And and now it's like you have an opportunity to experience those other that that other part of you, yeah, that you didn't, and and now you have the advantage of, of experience and money and yeah. st- you know, like you yeah. can actually do this other stuff properly, like rent out a studio for a podcast and, yeah. you know, do it, do it the right way. And so I think that similarly I've That's spent so 20 true. years in marketing and now I'm just getting to be a dad and figuring out who I get a call when my kid's sick. And yeah, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the Silverdale emergency room recently oh, with God different kids and it's just like yeah it's different different emergencies yeah but i will say my stress level is way down interesting like, way down like in terms of just day-to-day stress like i stressed a lot about my job previously yeah. and when that went away it was if you were to plot it out on a graph in immediate <laughs> inflection point when i stopped working there's other stresses now yeah money yeah. That kind of stuff. But it's uh, not, it's not like overcomable. You know? I mean, that is actually in a deeper thing that I want to know about though. Like by knowing that that stressed you out that bad, how will it be different if you go back into working now? Like yeah. what, knowing just how much that cost you in terms of your, you know, your joy in life and yeah. all of the things like, does that, are you going to approach it differently? Or are you going to be pickier about what you take on or is it, how, how will it change? Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the common experience that you and I and probably all of our listeners have, um, we have all been in probably less than ideal relationships yeah. in our lives. Yeah. And sometimes you got, Sometimes you have a good job and sometimes you have a bad job and, and you have to, I think, find, you know, as you're out floating in life, in the sea of life. And if you only have your, uh, a safety line tied to your job and then that job goes away or goes underwater for a while or it cuts you loose without telling you, that's a scary time to be, you know, like in a boat by yourself. And so. I think it's just for everyone to have multiple lines in the water to, you know, things that are static in your life or, or things that are at least, um, you know, somebody, something you can rely on. So whether it's family or anchors, yeah, community or whatever that means to you, but yeah, anchors in your life. That's so true. I mean, which brings me to how we really met, which was singing, which is so funny because I know we've done very little singing in our singing, but 
The reason that's interesting to me is because you got to explore it because you're, you know, you've taken some time away from the work world and, and you've originally, you first came with your little guy, <laughs> he's so cute, uh, to do a dad and son voice lesson. And that was really awesome. But I, I have had, um, you know, people ask me like, well, what, why would, you know, these adult students or even teens that, um, you know, why would they take voice lessons if they're not going to be a singer or if they're not going to perform or they're not going to, and you just brought up the word anchor. And I think that sometimes our, our, you know, exploring these parts of ourselves through art, whether it's music and taking a voice lesson or going, you know, next door and taking a woodshop class or whatever it is, those things can be mental anchors as well. And another avenue for us to, take ourselves outside of the box of what we're living in and just experience something. And I can speak specifically of singing. Um, you know, when I first actually started teaching voice here, I had my business card said voice healing and, um, and voice lessons, etc. And voice healing is like a whole other avenue that I have, uh, that's something that I sort of created based on, um, my late teacher, Eileen, had a whole other group of students that were all about voice healing and healing people through singing and voice lessons and the voice itself. And she kind of trained me to do it um, without telling me she was training me to do it because she, from a young age, she was like, I, I want you to sit in on all these other voice lessons. And it was really interesting because I learned a lot about how to read people, if you will, through their voice and to understand people through their voice. And the other side of that, of course, is that through this channel of voice, that people are able to find a different part of themselves, you know, and it's something that we kind of take for granted, but like you use your voice every single day, yeah. you use it to express yours. I mean, it's like one of the most important things that we have is our voice, you know, and, um, and everything from tone to the music we listen to, to, um, to expressing ourselves to obviously to talking and all of these things are expression. And so anyway, when I have these students that like yourself or like, I, I mean, or maybe you do want to be a performer, which I always told you you can, because ladies and gentlemen, Bo is a fantastic singer, actually. <laughs> he really has a huge and beautiful voice that I'm like, I want to start working with that. And we, um, and then we have conversations like we're having right now. But, um, but it's interesting because even if you don't decide that you want to perform, this anchor of having something that um, in your back pocket that you can go just go and do and be free that's different and and totally different than every other part of your life. And I always liken it to children because when we're little, uh, if you ask, I mean, I'm sure you could do this with your kids, if you are like, okay, now we're all going to be cowboys and everyone just does it. And, or you're like, now we're all like living in a palace and we're princesses and they just, they just do what they're like. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, and same with singing. We're like, we're going to sing a song about, you know, cars and everybody just starts, okay, we'll sing a song about cars. And you do this with kids. And I've worked with so many kids in my life. Um, 
and they're just free. And then somewhere along the way comes this age of consciousness and we just stop. But it means the fact that we stop means that we are going against our true nature. There isn't not one culture, not one in the world where um, singing isn't part of, of rearing a child. Yeah. None. There's zero on the earth, which is crazy. Every culture um, has that. And I, I just bring it up because it's like we are when we take on things like singing or exploring artistic being, um, that freedom is part of our DNA. You know, we're supposed to do it. So it's really when we get out of our own way and we explore all of these things, we're really just rediscovering ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. And, and the you mentioning finding the boundaries, like getting to the spot where you're like, oh, it's too scary to, I want to sing, but I don't want to be a performer. Right? Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's me, right? <laughs> like I, I love to sing. Yeah. But I know that if I were to get up on stage, like you have so many times with a spotlight on you and you probably can't see the crowd and <laughs> yeah, like you go into the zone, right? Yeah, totally. I've never been able to cross that bridge. Which is crazy. Wait, right? so you didn't do any musicals? I in did high perform. School? I did some performances, there but not go. musical. Really? Um, not musical theater. No, I mean, I, I went to a very, very small school. So, like, we we uh, we combine the high school would combine once a year and take all of the juniors and all of the seniors and force them to do a play. And we did not have depth. <laughs> I love that word. Force them to do a play. Yeah, like everyone participated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it wasn't like we had tryouts. Yeah. Oh, you had to do it. I see. We Whether had, you wanted to or not. Yeah. There was like 12 people in my class. So. Oh my gosh. Wait. Okay. So remind, where, what was the name of the city you grew up in here? <laughs> I grew up in uh, central Washington. The city is called Thorpe, Washington. <laughs> T-H-O-R-P. That is. Thorpe. Wow. And yeah. there were 12 people in your In class. my class. Yeah. That's so like Thorpe. At, at the, when I was there. Um, it's, it's gotten, there've been other, there have been leaner years apparently at Thorpe. There's, there's been years where there's been like one or a handful of graduates. Yeah. A a few years ahead of me, there was like six and five of those were guys. (laughs) There was one girl. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Uh, But super popular, like homecoming queen, (laughs) prom queen. The only cheerleader. (laughs) (laughs) We had, we had cheerleaders. Like it, it Oh my gosh! <laughs> but it was it just a different experience than yeah. like your typical high school. I usually have to like people talk about their high school experiences, and I have to like provide the other end of the spectrum of like, okay, this is what the small school experience was. So wow, I mean, and was it? I mean, predominantly Caucasian. Like, was it all? Uh, did you have any people of color? Yeah, my, my one of my best friends was uh, was uh, from South Korea, uh, Jamie Ogden. Um, he was adopted, uh, but his mom, his mom was actually uh, one of, his dad was, um, is one of the credited drummers in the original production of Cats. No way. That's so cool. His last name's Ogden, Jim, Jim Ogden or something. And then his mom was Betsy Ogden and she was a dancer in Cats, I think. Oh my god! Yeah, Broadway connection. You can look that one yeah, up. Yeah. Wait, that's a connect, that's like a connecting yeah, thing. But yeah, so there was some, some diversity, but generally speaking, rural white central like and then it's it, from Ellensburg onward it goes full desert so yeah so how did you and i mean because your voice i mean 
really, you have a huge, and, and it is a beautiful voice. Did you sing in choir and church? Yes. And, uh, okay. Um, we, we all, I have, there's four boys in my family. We all did choir. Um, they were all musically talented, probably, or yeah. like my brother. Uh, anyway, but young, at, at young ages, very musically talented. But then later in life, no one, no one really pursued singing. I do have a brother who's a priest. He sings quite a bit, I imagine, in, in mass and stuff. But um, yeah, not. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, we were talking about this before because I have an um, an aunt who is a nun. You have a brother who's a priest. It is always fascinates me when people completely give their lives to religion. That's, I mean, that's another conversation, but I just, I find that just very fascinating. Apparently my aunt, when she was uh, a child, my grandparents told me that she used to even put diapers on her head and pretend to be a nun. Like she (laughs) was destined (laughs) for this. It was like her dream was, was that, um, but that, that's, yeah. But in the Philippines, they would say your whole family is so blessed yes. because your brother is yes. is a priest. So that's, I mean, so there's that. <laughs> so there's that. Yep. Yep. Um, so wait, before we go into our questions for every guest at the end of the episode, I just want to like maybe, maybe play a game. Um because you're in marketing and this might be fun and creative to do. If I were to give you a product, could you come up with a tagline for that product? Like on the spot, <laughs> marketing mean, like just for fun. I mean, on the spot. Yeah. Like right now. We're yes, come, okay, I, I, Dennis won't guarantee, and I, I won't guarantee you what it, if it'll be good. Yeah. Or even a jingle. Okay, we're just okay. going to get him to work for us for free. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, is it called uh, citizen, citizen sister? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coach design architects. <laughs> um, well, let's no, let's start. Okay, wait. Do you want to go first, Dennis? Or what? I'm so. Are we coming up? You with just this, any uh, like a thing. Um, anything. Anything. Um, yeah. I. Okay, I'll come up. Um, my hair scrunchie. I'm wearing a scrunchie, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so the first thing I would ask you is, is who do you think the scrunchie's for? Like, is, 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 who are you trying to sell the scrunchie to? Oh, um, oh yeah, good, good question. Who's the customer? Uh, who buys say, scrunchies? Let's say you're trying to sell it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you. You're trying to sell it to people who are, no, you know what? College girls. You want me to sell a scrunchie to a college girl? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you're going to get me canceled. Okay, um, sorry, okay. 50 and above. <laughs> Do they have <laughs> <laughs> women 50 and above? <laughs> I don't know if they have long hair at 50 and above. <laughs> you want me to come up with a jingle for scrunchies? <laughs> What's a brand of scrunchie? Like, is that a? There's no brand. We're making up the brand. Oh yeah, make it up. Okay, scrunchie. Um. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's the product idea. Okay. Okay. Are you tired of cleaning up after yourself after lunch? Then you need the munchy scrunchie. (laughs) This is a new product brought to you by. What is it? Citizen Sister Enterprises. <laughs> and this product is something that's both fashionable and has great utility as a after snack wiper of lips and 
So you carry oh. the scrunchie around in the back of your head, oh, like in your nice. hair. Nice. And then when you, you can flip it on the inside and it has like a little cloth or something on the inside, you can like wipe your makeup if you need it. Oh. And that's like a great use case. So I would show that. But the thing you show yeah. is like, is Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie Reese. I want everybody to close <laughs> their eyes. Imagine <laughs> Stephanie Reese sitting at a table and it's black and shot in black and white. Okay. Oh. And she's like, she's eating and it's super messy. Yeah. And, and like, she's like, it's dripping down her face and oh. she's looking around. She has nothing to wipe with. And, and she's looking around and then it cuts to color. She grabs the scrunchie behind her. Uh, and that's the turn. That is so boom, good. We sell a million of them. Wow. And um, you said munchy scrunchie. I could, I thought you were going to do like the, the jello scrunchie for like <laughs> cloudy with the chance of meatballs. <laughs> oh my God. That would, yeah, exactly. That worked oh my out. God. That was going to oh, be an edible was... scrunchie. <laughs> <laughs> but see, there was some discovery. That I is asked a good. question first. Yes, you, you did. Do, like a lot of marketers will come in and, you know, you think you want to sell more scrunchies. But maybe like there's other ways to like there's there's exploration always to do. So no, that is good. Go for a product, uh, Dennis. Say a product. Um, okay, uh, product. Shoot. All right. This is uh, this, this a, process. This is a product idea that one of someone I know actually came up with. Um, and it's I think kind he's of just going to tell us the idea. Yeah. This is great. It's kind of sell me. No, up. I I am not on board with it at all. But um, it's a it's like a bed extension to make dorm beds wider. Okay. Oh. Um, and it's like a a rental service. So you rent <laughs> you you rent this bed extension to make your twin into. Like a, a double, a, a double, or you All know, right. this is something. So, yeah, this is something I can finally believe. In. <laughs> okay, <laughs> finally. Yeah, not this Does he have a name yet? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, <sighs> so I have to come up with a product for this. Well, this no, half baked idea that doesn't have a name. Well, yeah, I I mean I'm sure it does have a name. So there's a name for it. I don't know. What we it don't is. want to plug it right now, though. Well, I don't know what it is. So. Okay. I just yeah, I yeah. just heard about that. He well, wants here's to the here's the here's the answer. What would somebody Google? Oh, good. Question. When they if they had this problem. So the problem is my bed's too small. I'm a big dude, right? Yeah. Right. Or a big or a big person. Yeah. So what you could do is you could probably get some. You could do some targeting of advertising mm-hmm. to um, people that fit that demographic, right? So you, I don't know if you can target, you can't target to my knowledge based off of weight on Facebook or, but but you could, (laughs) you could buy that data. You could augment your first part. If you had names of people that you wanted to go after or demographic, you could augment that in. You could buy it from some data warehouse. Um, And then you, you, if you don't have a name yet, you could test names on, on something like Facebook for really cheap. Mm. So you could put names out there and like take like a, a logo and just your headline and then just switch out your headline and switch oh. the headline out for like what, if you don't, if you have like five names you like, you te- rotate them, test them, see what has a higher mm-hmm. click through rate and, and also test for color. We used to do this all the time on uh, in the mobile app space, testing icons on your phone. Yeah. We right. spent a lot of time geeking out on that. That's like the, yeah. the it's like uh, cereal companies geek out on cereal box art. Yeah. Oh God. They I do. love cereal. Box that's their, that's yeah, their like the, advertising. The theory of like, color and like hunger you apply everything there wow to mobile apps which is you know tiny 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 um so 
anyway, that's where I would start with your friend. If he doesn't have mm-hmm. an idea, is like test some stuff. See if he's not married to anything yet. Yeah. Don't yeah, be don't. married to anything yet and see what works. See what sells more now. Yeah. yeah. That is cool. I, yeah. I'd never think to like just change it a bunch. That's yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That, yeah. I mean, I'm be we are getting schooled on that. We're like, wow, these are, like, these are real students, ideas. <laughs> like, these are things you can cool. do today. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean. Your name doesn't test very well, Stephanie. We have to, it's too long. We have to shorten it. To, we do to just S. Reese. Ooh, <laughs> Yeah, there we go. I could be in marketing, but I don't market myself, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, okay. So that was so fun. I want to get, I don't want to, um, take up too much of your time, Bo, but we, we definitely want you to answer our questions for every guest. Cause I, I'm excited to hear your answers. Uh, so first question, and you've listened to the podcast, so you kind of know them. I'm sure you've thought about it. Uh, so first thing is where, what, which one should I start with? Do you know all of them by I, heart? I've heard them so many times and yeah. here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Okay. No, we'll, we'll start Nobody with an easy one. What's questions. your favorite food? My favorite food? Yeah. Pizza, pepperoni. Nice. Uh, any brand? Any? Uh, I, brand is not super important, but it needs to be thin. It can't be like, it mm. can't be this doughy stuff. And yeah. it has to be crisp. Mm. If, Yum. Yeah. So, okay. Like wow. I'm very, I, that's a pretty reliable go-to. If dad's making food, it's usually like 50% Jan's pizza. <laughs> pizza. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. And favorite place to live? That's not Bainbridge Island, right? Uh, it can be Bainbridge if you really love it. Or, yeah, favorite place. I mean, I love living here. I'd, I'd love to trade California some rain for some sun. Yeah. I think that would be a... Is there any special place in the world that is your favorite place? I, I lived in, in Scotland for a year, and I want to go back. And so I'd love to make my way back there at some point. Oh, Have I like a, Scotland. A, maybe a cabin somewhere mm. up in the highlands or something. But yeah, nothing. Uh, that's uh, on the list of places to visit. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and what's an extraordinary thing you find ordinary? Extraordinary thing that I find ordinary. <sighs> Man, I mean, my f- my kids are extraordinary in every single way, and mm-hmm. I and they just astound me every day. And I think that um, yeah, just watching them grow, they they uh, they baffle me every day, and it's and it's a good way. And so I don't want to call them ordinary, they're, but they're just astounding to me and. I think that the fact that the life I live is ordinary is is kind of what I like. It's like I I never wanted to be rich and famous. Yeah. I just want to be rich. <laughs> I just want to be rich. Yeah. And I'm still working on that. So we're, you know, but at least we're, uh, I feel su- super fortunate to be in the spot that I am. Yeah. And, and feel just lucky to, you know, be able to raise my kids here and, with my family here and um yeah so so that it's so funny every when i ask the that question um everyone leans into the ordinary thing they find extraordinary Mm -hmm. which is what you did which is great and beautiful and i think that um 
I think I, it's like, I feel like I always stop up people with that question because they're like extraordinary, but I find it ordinary. <laughs> and, but I, I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, it's interesting too, because yeah, it's, it's like the, this life here on Bainbridge, this, this beautiful little place where we live, it, I find it extraordinary as well. It's mm. just something in the, in the feeling of safety and, and, uh, community and all the and the beauty of the nature here. Is there anything though that you that everybody else thinks is so amazing that you just don't think is amazing? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, they, it seems boring to you, but you're like everybody loves that, and I don't. Uh, you know, I've never. I'm kind of interested. I found that I've can kind of geek out on anything, to be honest. Nice. Like I've, uh, this kind of goes back to some of my work experiences, but man, I, I remember like one, one quarter I had to geek out on the difference between in, in software, the difference between authentication and authorization. And there's a difference. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you explore simple concepts like that with engineers, you can imagine how much nuance there is. And and there's a lot of um, importance in the words you use. And uh, anyway, in these conversations, you figure out how to distill that out to something that Stephanie, you and I could understand. And so like authentication and authorization. So think about that. Authentication is when you're going on a flight somewhere, it's your ID. You're okay. Yeah. You're authenticated, right? Yeah. Your authorization is your plane ticket. Gotcha. And then, like that was simple. Like I, I yeah. But it, it took. Oh, a but month. just to come it up took with a month that to, to make get it. to that, like that's that so distillation crazy. process was like, and and but that's something you could paint on a billboard, and it's like, oh, yeah. I get it. I understand yeah. that now. And by the way, authentication is something that's going to be super important as we march forward in this AI. This Ooh, world where we're yeah. co-living in it with AI, like it's already weird to like use my eyeballs as my ID when I go through a clear, Reese, you know, a Stephanie Reese bot, like a yes. Stephanie Reese like performance of like you're then gonna everybody can have me. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm accessible to all. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, we have more questions. Um, oh, what was my Gosh, I <laughs> I got thrown off track. This is what happens with you. I talk and talk and talk, and then I'm like, bleh, bleh, bleh. Um, extraordinary thing find ordinary, or anything you find extraordinary. And oh, m- the most important question: What makes somebody a citizen of the world? Oh, um, my dad um, was a plumber. Still is well. He's a retired plumber now, but he was a plumber for fifty years, and he taught me to always leave a job site uh, better than the way you found it. Mm. And so, I've applied that. I've tried to apply that in all aspects of my life. Like, if I live in a house, I try to fix it up, I and mean, yeah. I try to like pour love into it and try to like make it better. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I think. Professionally, I've tried to do that, and and with my family and friends, I've tried to do that as well. So that's, um, yeah. That is beautiful, and I think that is something that we can all learn from is leaving the world and the space 
in small and big ways better than we found it. That is like, I'm going to take that in, absorb that message, even for our own selves, you know, like, are we better today than we were yesterday? That's also, um, anything that you want to shout out before we close up? Um, oh man, this has been fun. They can follow your blog. They can. Okay. So if you go to, um, bowross.com, that's B E A U R O S -S S.com. You can catch up on uh, the latest and greatest and, uh, Please tell me if you see any typos or anything. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> thanks so much, Bo. This was so much fun. Cheers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thanks, listeners. More Citizen Sisters soon. I'm Stephanie Reese. Thank you so much for listening to Citizen Sister. Find us on our website, citizensisterpodcast.com and on Instagram at citizen.sister. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It helps people find the show. Thank you so much.